Occult Confessions. Occult Confessions is brought to you commercial free through the generous support of our patrons. Through the generous support of our patrons. Visit occultconfessions.com. Visit occultconfessions.com and click on donate to help keep the history of the occult. To help keep the history of the occult on the digital airwaves. The Bhagavad Purana contains a story of the goddess Kali, arguably the most subversive and dangerous of the Hindu goddesses, and some say the most powerful. A group of thieves had kidnapped a saintly Brahmin and planned to sacrifice him to the goddess in hopes of endowing their leader with the male heir he had hoped to sire. Her fierce ability to bludgeon her enemies with her skull-topped staff and literal thirst for her enemies' blood were central to her legend, and so the thieves believed she would gladly serve as their patron. The Brahmin, whose name was Bharata, was a particularly devoted follower of the great preserver god Vishnu, famous for his many incarnations through which he had rescued humanity from certain doom. The thieves figured such a pure and blameless victim would be exactly the kind of sacrifice the blue-skinned Kali would most enjoy. And so they brought the Brahmin into her shrine and placed him before the idol of the fearsome Bhadra Kali. But their hope turned quickly to shock and disbelief as the pure-hearted Brahmin's saintliness shone like a great heat upon the goddess's statue, and it began to melt. Suddenly, from within the liquefied icon sprung the goddess herself, followed by a host of attendant spirits terrible to behold. But instead of attacking the Brahmin's sacrifice, Kali turned her Sith and staff against the band of thieves. With her attendants, she slaughtered the whole crew, then erupted into a fit of revelry, dancing and drinking their blood and playing ball with the thieves' detached heads. Rob, I think I'm in love. I was expecting the metal sound, but I'll take that too. The story. <laughs> Anyone else in love? I too am a big fan. Aesthetically, she just like is everything. 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 The she blue is... skin, the arms, the heads. Love it. She's the literal sister's aesthetic. She's a Scorpio queen. She's the love of my life, Rob. The Scorpio times. The story of Kali and her band of thieves reveals much of the goddess's complexity. She's often misunderstood and misinterpreted. As the thieves demonstrate, they believed that the goddess was responsible for perpetrating the kind of violent death she visited on them and would favor a band of lawless robbers. But she's actually a representative of the devas, or gods, the divine power that animates the universe. Her sympathies are actually with the Brahmin and she becomes his savior, not his murderer. She visits her wrath and violence on the asuras, or demons, who seek to depose the gods. And in this way, she preserves the world as we know it and advances the cause of universal enlightenment. She is a slayer of demons, but threatens the world she protects by becoming drunk on the blood of her victims and running wild. There it is. <laughs> Olivia's nodding approvingly. It's very appropriate. Uh, in Hindu mythology, Kali is often a kind of apocalyptic figure, and that's why she figures into our apocalypse 
stories here, our, our series on the apocalypse, episode two. Although the age of Kali, the final era in the Hindu's cosmic cycle before the world comes to an end, is not actually named for her. So the age of Kali is the final age in the Hindu cosmic cycle, but actually has nothing to do with the goddess Kali. Um, it's named rather for a demon. The reason that I want to talk about Kali is because she dances the dance of destruction along with her counterpart, Shiva, and her name refers to the fullness or completion of time. So the word Kali is a, it translates to the fullness of time. So the identification with Apocalypse is complicated by her role as a purger of evil and preserver of good. She's a kind of powerful and protective mother, but she is also potentially a destroyer. Worshippers in Bengal also call her Kali Ma, or Mother Kali, an earth goddess who nurtures them toward enlightenment. So on this episode of Occult Confessions, we set out to discover the many meanings of the goddess Kali, to hear her exploits on the field of battle against the demon hordes who have driven the gods from the three worlds, how Christian missionaries tried to dismiss her as a demon herself, and why the tantric agoris worship her by eating forbidden food and engaging in illicit sexual acts. What were the forbidden foods? Yeah, like hamburgers and stuff. Not like apples or I don't I don't think no, no, it's not these are not Christians. What about like a pie? Christians can also eat pies and apples. Apple pie? That's all Ooh. good. That's good for everyone. Everyone can eat that. America. I can't eat apple pie. You're not American. So uh so people with gluten issues are not American, John? Uh yeah. You start with a hot take, man. Yep. <laughs> Celiacs. I make not an entrance. Americans. Nope. Celiacs. I feel really not attacked citizens. right now, and I, I don't know what to do about it. My name is Rob C. Thompson. I am the supreme hierophant of our secret order of alchemical actors. I am joined, as always, by Olivia Literal, grand master of the order. It's Scorpio season. Yeah. What did you say? You said that Kali is Scorpio goddess. Well, a lot of people like if you see people. Uh, associate different like gods and goddesses to the different like zodiac signs for some reason she's always a lot of times associated with scorpio i think it's like the whole death transformation sex power thing it's it's like the death tarot card so kinda. but do it's are there scorpio. do other hindu hindu gods get into the mix of the Maybe. astrology like is vishnu in there and ganesha and... i don't know i'm sure it's a lot of like greek roman so Kali's like one of the few Hindu gods that gets in the mix? I mean, Scorpio also kind of gets the short stick because they get Pluto too, you know? Pluto's the short stick? You mean because of that whole planet thing? Yeah, it's a controversy, I guess, right? Also sitting with us, we have <laughs> Brianna Literal, our metallurgic prophet. Hey guys, I'm not a Scorpio. I'm a Capricorn, so what does that mean for me? Uh, I don't know. Nothing. I only know I'm what? Scorpio. What Scorpio is, season. Why it's am I nothing time. this episode? Can I just give you a Hindu god at yes, random? I probably shouldn't do this. Cold I'm and step on some toes. Oh, it has to be cold, cold and goat like. Oh, like well, me. you're you're a goat, so I am a goat. So something with hooves and very hard headed. Well, that uh, isn't there a that... there's a horse headed god? I can't remember the name offhand, but there is a, a god with a horse head. There's the goat oh. lady that there's suckled Zeus. That's not a Hindu god. Oh, oh, we're going with Hindu. That's right. Also, John Cook, our oh, what are you? You're the sylph of the air, but you're not also anymore. Also, the patron the progenitor. Patron progenitor. Yeah, you're the oh, first first title change, first elevated title. Yeah, that means I'm special and American. <sighs> 
Because you don't have celiac's disease. Yes. <laughs> All our love to people with celiacs. We, the members of the Secret, Secret Order, Order of Alchemical Actors, do solemnly commit ourselves to a full and honest telling of the history of the occult as far as we know it. All right, Olivia, plug us in. Plug, plug, plug. Sources today include Encountering Collie, colon, in the margins at the center in the West. That's edited by Rachel McDermott. We're going to be drawing on essays by David Kinsley, Patricia Dald, Jeffrey Kripal, Sarah Caldwell, and Roxanne Kamayani Gupta. Oh my god, I love that. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Kripal, actually, uh, our friend uh, over at Life Mancy, she did an interview uh, of uh, this guy. I, I, love, I love this guy's scholarship, so I'm a little jealous she got to go meet him. He's apparently at Rice, and, uh, and Life Mancy's in Texas, so. She deserves it. She did. <laughs> She's earned it. She's earned that interview. Yep. Keep up the good work. Uh, okay, also uh, the Devi Mahatmayan, which is a traditional Hindu text, uh, and Swami Krishnanandi's inner meaning of the Devi Mahatmayan, which you can find at swami-swami-krishnananda.org. You're like great at pronouncing these things. I don't know if I am. But oh, uh, we don't really have a lot of ins- we don't have a lot of listeners in India, so I'm feeling pretty confident. I'm convinced. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's talk about our patrons, shall we, Olivia? Time to give some uh, love to Trayton M. All my love. Also, Jaden S., who is enjoying every moment. Every moment. Every moment. That's a lot of moments. Some of our moments, I think, uh, I are I hard enjoy to enjoy. Yeah, every but moment. but Jaden's doing it. Wow. Molly B. is looking to know more about the occult dimensions of technology. Oh, shit. Yeah. That was a... So we're going to see if we can handle that. Okay. Uh, flesh Eater. That's pretty metal. I'm going to give you that one. There Love you go, that. Flesh Eater. Get a little metal. Uh, Mr. E. Mr. E. Listening as he welds. We're on the, we're the oh. first podcast he's ever tried. Aw. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure. That, that really is, Rob. But I guess it's working out. Aw. Well, you keep it up. You weld away. Shane sent us a spooky hello from his rock band in Florida. He's listening to our oh. occult rock series. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> wow. As he's li- they're listening to us on Patreon uh, as we speak. I wonder what his band's name is. Except uh, if you're Shane, then you're probably listening to our Kali episode as we speak. Woo! Sh- wait. Oh, I got Wait. That hurts me. <laughs> You could just have them both on at the same time, though. Yeah. All right, let's get to Kali, shall we? Look, close up them. Oh, we, we got one more thing. Tell the people to buy t-shirts. <gasps> buy some merch from us, please. Yeah, Um. so we, we're doing merch, guys, and we've had, like, a couple of them. So yeah, we're selling some shirts. A couple of shirts. They're, they're moving. We could move a few more. Yeah, we're trying to push some more shirts, move some right, more shirts. because they're just sitting in the back of your car. Yeah, guys, I really need my car back. Because um, here's the thing. I have a whole two huge boxes of merch and assorted things to ship merch. And it was taking up a corner of my room and I couldn't um, open my drawer. So it was dictated by my boyfriend that they needed to to go. So now they're living in my car. And, and your um, car is small enough as it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's not It's taken big. up the whole back of the yeah. Kia. And um, yeah. let's close up those plugs, Olivia. Yeah, plug, plug, plug. <sighs> not, not that we didn't want to hear more about your car. She's doing okay. Kali is the fullness of time. She is the goddess of death, the dark one. She wears a girdle of human arms. Oh, shit. 
and a garland of severed heads around her neck. Fangs extend from beneath her red lips, and her forked tongue hangs eager to taste her enemy's blood. She is thin, sometimes gaunt and naked, except for her macabre battle gear. Her hair is disheveled, and when she is pictured with her male counterpart Shiva, she is almost always on top of him, either in sexual domination or trampling him. Um, like you're taking me to church. I feel like I'm in Kanye West service right now. No, because this has some uh, religious value to it. Oh, oh, and hot I, take. And I, <laughs> I don't think so. It's not a is hot it? take. No, no it's, it's not. It's, it's really. Not. You're Do we right. have any listeners who think Kanye West is saving people? I really hope not. Yes. Does it you, John? Yep. <laughs> I'm an American. Is that going to be your whole bit this entire episode? Yes. Just I'm an American. Yep. This is an excuse. Kanye West and apple pie for no. believing in. All right, Jesus. bringing the apple pie back. Gosh. <laughs> So, uh, for those of you who are new to Hinduism, Shiva is a part of the Hindu trinity along with Vishnu and Brahma. So those are our three gods at the top: Shiva the Destroyer, Hindu. Uh, sorry, Shiva the Destroyer, Vishnu the Preserver, Brahma the Creator. Uh, Shiva is often pictured with blue skin in the lotus position, bearing a trident. He's the destroyer of the universe, but he's also the patron of yogis and the only god with substantial lore surrounding his family. Kali, like her male partner, is similarly a joining of oppositions. She brings drought and rain, disease and good harvest, life and death. She is the goddess of the earth. She's also the end of time. She dances the dance of destruction along with Shiva. The more popular image of their dancing involves the pair moving together with such force that they threaten the annihilation of the world while the goddess Parvati looks on in fear. Parvati is Shiva's amiable or friendly wife. You get a couple wives in the Hindu pantheon. You got your amiable wife and your unamiable wife. Kali and Durga are the hostile wives. But before we anachronistically accuse Shiva of having too many wives, we've got to bear in mind that in Hindu mythology, all goddesses are actually aspects of one goddess. So he's just got the one wife who has got unamiable and amiable, you know, features, said all men ever. John? John, you want you want to say anything? Yes. Go on. Hey, Bree. Here's the thing. <laughs> what? Just listen to Rob. All right. I'll I'll bite him. You want me to bite him? When Shiva asks Parvati to help him ki- kill the demon, John. Like what? He's so tense. He turned a whole new shade. He's just attacking me this entire episode. I don't know, that felt gentler than it could have been. Just some advice, that's all. I'll bite him. So what we're getting at is Kali is portrayed as the dark or wrathful aspect of the light and amiable Parvati. When Shiva asks Parvati to help him kill the demon Daruka, who can only be killed by a female, Parvati transforms into Kali. So here, they're literally the same entity in this story. She kills the demon and nearly destroys the world. That is, until Shiva calms her. Shiva calms her again when she troubles one of his devotees living in a forest nearby. The devotee calls on Shiva, who challenges Kali to a dance contest. Shiva wins with his energetic Tandava dance, and Kali is calmed once again. This is sort of like a reverse image of the way we perceive gender in the West. 
the male god has to calm down the female god who he's calling on for help with his enemies. Yeah, it, most of the time it's yeah, it's like switched. It's like the women are right, like the girlfriend calls her boyfriend to come beat up the guy who's given her trouble. Yeah, well, that and women are like the caretakers. Women are like the ones yeah. that comfort and not with the Hindu gods. Yeah, that's they badass. acknowledge the aggressive aspect of the female and honor it as a valuable trait. Yeah, you hear that, John? Like spiders and T Rexes. Hell hath <laughs> what? <laughs> Kali, in the dominant position over Shiva, is often considered more fierce and dangerous than the male god. Parvati calms Shiva, tempering his antisocial and destructive tendencies, but Shiva must calm Kali, as we're talking about here. Shiva's dancing is more controlled than Kali. Kali's dancing threatens to go off the rails and bring the universe to ruin. There are two myths of how Shiva has calmed his unamiable consort's dancing. In one, he posed as a corpse, and she stopped her dance when she realized she was dancing on her husband. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. I love that. Hey, he's a clever guy, that Shiva. Uh, In the other one, he posed as an infant, and she stopped when she saw him wailing and suckled him at her breast. I'm just imagining him like... Full form, just pretending to be an infant. <laughs> like, not in the form of an infant. Just... Full big guy. Yep. Male diaper, like he, adult diaper oh, situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At first yeah. I was going to say, oh, but then you said that. Now it's kind of gross. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely a fetish channel for that. Uh, so, the corpse and the infant exist outside the boundaries of controlled social existence. I think about that for a second. When you're dead, and also when you're an infant, we don't expect you to follow society's rules. As a corpse, you're allowed to not make it into work that day. And as an infant, you can just like scream and grab people's boobs and what a life. Wet I yourself know. in public. That's all fine. So these uh the corpse and the and the infant place the goddess on the margins. Kali's associated with the marginal, and this may be a product of the fact that she is excluded from worship by high-caste Indian males. She is popular among people outside of this very narrow, powerful group. She's associated with the periphery of Hindu society. Her temples are built near crematoriums on the edges of the city where the lower castes tend to live. You mean like those thieves in the beginning of the podcast? There they are, but they're thieves. So the lower caste people need not be... So the thief is probably stealing from and taking advantage of the lower caste person. So your upright lower class guy doesn't get to have your, you know, highfalutin top of the tier gods. He gets Kali. The thief doesn't get Kali. The thief thinks he gets Kali, but it turns out, no, not for you. He gets Kali's wrath. Right. It's the poor man who gets Kali. The poor, upright Hindu man. She's also associated with South Asian countries outside of the Indian center of the Hindu world. Her worship is found in Nepal, Bengal, also Sri Lanka. The infant and corpse also show the opposing sides of Kali, her relationship with death and destruction, but also with mothering and life. Her marginal, potentially subversive status made her a target for Hinduism's enemies. Kali became a motivator for colonization and the so-called civilization of the Hindus. Colonizers believed that she was the object of human sacrifice, that people would kill for her. Missionaries argued that Kali was literally a demon, as we mentioned at the beginning. And stories of the Apostle Thomas, according to legend, the guy who brought Christianity to India, include Kali and her worshippers. The legend tells of how Kali's priests invented traditions to suit their own purposes. 
Her rites instilled real magical power, but these powers were satanic and condemned her worshippers to perdition, so says the Apostle Thomas in this story. The effects of this magic were then easily counteracted by the higher power of the Christian god. When Kali's priests attempted to force Thomas to worship at her shrine, the temple caught fire and Kali herself ran out, and the priests, in a rage, ran a spear through Thomas's heart, killing him. So, I remember from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, during the human sacrifice scene, the priest was chanting Kali Ma. Is that... Kali Ma, Mother Kali, reference to Kali. Oh. Right? Do we think that's... that's I'm the, pretty the, sure the that's... I'm pretty sure it is Kali that they're trying to... Are there any images of her in Temple of Doom? Uh, I don't remember, but they were definitely doing like a human sacrifice type deal. Is that India, Temple of Doom? It's around that area. Yeah. It's like Southeast Asia. Yeah, the mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah. Yep. And it's Kali. Probably Kali. Yeah, I think so. But is that like misinformed because you said say, the yeah. human sacrifice aspect? Oh, yeah. That's, that's totally drawing on the Western misinterpretation of what Kali's all about. Okay. Yeah. Steven Spielberg. Because that was my whole impression of Kali when I was younger, was from that movie. Yeah, Kali? Yeah, yeah, it's what you you would experience, right? So, popular culture is full of lies. Mm. Mm. We sort of do that a lot, so that's a theme, right? Specifically Steven Spielberg. Right. Satanism is misunderstood. Not that I'm a big fan of Satanism anyway, but Olivia is. Yep. Voodoo is wildly misunderstood, and I am kind of a fan of Voodoo Santeria. Like, these are all wildly misrepresented so that makes sense also of course india will be wildly misrepresented thanks brits buddhists and jains who often practiced ahimsa or advocated for vegetarianism found kali's blood drinking ridiculous (laughs) because you know they don't even kill bugs that's ridiculous these are the guys who like gently sweep the temple steps so that they don't accidentally step on a bug on their way in i want to be that person who sweeps the steps no i just don't I wish I could just not kill any bug. And you're a Satanist. Yeah. I mean, that's like okay. Isn't that a little contradictory? Bug didn't do anything to me. So you would extend your ethics that far? Yeah, sure. But if like a spider is like really in my shit, like he's got to go. I'm baffled. I'm baffled now. I'm so confused by you. I really try really hard to like, you know this, Brianna. Like, I try to catch bugs and let them out. Oh, yeah. I'm like, really crazy about that. Spiders are good for you. Spiders are great. Oh, no, but if it's like one that I'm like, he's like scary looking, like, it has to be like. Remember that time, John, that I let that massive poisonous spider outside? Yeah, you mean the brown yeah, recluse? No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. You let a brown recluse outside. Yeah, I did. You remember, you. you remember when I picked up a wasp and carried it like 300 yards to the forest? It was forest dying. So that it I could... was really happy to be carried. It was sad. Hmm. You if, guys and you're a himself. No, like if he's on my bedroom ceiling, like he's got to go. Just get a cup and take it outside. He's got to go. Buddhists and Jains. <laughs> what am I talking about? Okay, so... <laughs> They found Kali's blood drinking, so she's just a little too murderous for these guys. Uh, So for the Buddhists and the Jains, she's too murderous, not for our Hindu believers. More like she's too metal. All right, yeah, take that, Buddha. So she appears carrying a skull in Buddhist and Jain narratives as a demon tempting the Buddha himself or other heroes on the path to enlightenment. So she'll just pop up, be like, hey, you want to kill some things? And be like, no. We are Buddhas. In each case, she is defeated by the meditator's intense concentration and resolve, which is pretty much how you defeat anything if you're a Buddhist. You just think really hard about it? Yep. Because it's all inside you, really. It's your attachment to things. You got to just get over that and you'll be good to go. That's why I'm not a Buddhist. On to the Devi Mahatmayam. The Devi Mahatmayam. Oh, that sounded good. 
cool. Some of Kali's most famous exploits are recorded in the Devi Mahatmayam. 700 mantras is what it consists of, uh, and dates to between 400 and 600 years in our common era. So about 1,400, 1,500 years ago. So the Devi Mahatmayan is a central text in what's called Shakti tradition, which focuses on worship of the goddess and tells the story of how the goddess leads the forces of good against a series of evil demons. The Shakti tradition views the goddess as supreme among the celestial beings. So it's not Vishnu, it's not Shiva, it's not Brahma, it's the goddess who encompasses, as we mentioned earlier, all of the goddesses. They're just aspects of her. So she's a unified figure who contains Kali, and Kali is one aspect of her, but we can hear echoes of Kali's contradictions and complexities in the Devi Mahatmayam's description of the unified goddess Bhagavati. So that's the the word for our unified goddess. She is Bhagavati. Here's a good moment to note that the ancient Brahmin priests had a habit of collecting tribal gods from across the Indian subcontinent and pulling them into the Vedic system. So this may have been how we formed the goddess in the first place, is that we took a bunch of different goddesses and pulled them into one goddess. Vishnu famously incarnates in a variety of different forms. He's a dwarf, he's a turtle, he's a fish. He's also the hero Krishna, just to name a few of his incarnations. Many of these were originally tribal gods who the Brahmins simply said, oh, your tribal god over there, that turtle, that's actually Vishnu. Oh, oh. You're not worshiping a turtle. You're not going to believe this. You're worshiping our god. What a coincidence. It sounds kind of familiar. (laughs) It's very pagan, though. (laughs) Well, I mean, ultimately, the Christians did this to the pagans. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It sounds real familiar. (laughs) It's a great technique, uh, and it also prevents a lot of fighting. Yeah. (laughs) Bree's not a fan, though. Well, yeah, we talk about it a lot in my World Civ classes that I'm taking right now. And you're feeling all right about it, or...? I mean, I don't appreciate it, but it's really interesting just like to hear about how they did it and how many different people have done it. So Kali probably started uh, as a tribal god, but was subsumed into the goddess as one of her aspects. Scholars argue that Kali may be derived in part from the warrior goddess Kotavai, who rode a tiger and wore a necklace of tiger teeth. Whoa! Uh, Kotavai, like Kali, delighted in killing her enemies, drinking their blood, and dancing around the battlefield, like yes, you do, girl. surrounded by ghosts and demons. Yes! So let's hear if we see if we can hear traces of Kali in the description of the unified goddess Bhagavati. The unified goddess Bhagavati. <laughs> Verily she, the Bhagavati, the Mahamaya forcibly drawing the minds of even the wise, throws them into disillusion. She creates this entire universe, both moving and unmoving. It is she who, when propitious, becomes a boon-giver to human beings for their final liberation. She is the supreme knowledge, the cause of final liberation and eternal. She is the cause of the bondage of transmigration and the sovereign over all lords. O you whose form is the universe, at the time of creation, you are the creative force. At the time of sustentation, you are the protective power. And at the time of disillusion of the world, you are the destructive power. 
The Devi Mahatmayam has a frame, a common device in Hindu epics. A king whose kingdom has been taken from him by his enemies, and a merchant whose house has been taken from him by his family remain attached to the lives they once lived. The king worries about how his enemies are looking after the land he once ruled, and the merchant continues to feel affection for the family who wronged him. So in, in the frame story for the Devi Mahatmayam, we've got two male figures who have been separated from stuff and they continue to have attachment to that stuff. Even though the king doesn't have to rule anymore, other people are doing it, even though the merchant has been you know, screwed over by his family, he still worries about them. So they visit the great sage Medhas, and he tells them the story of Devi, the goddess. The goddess, the sage Medhas says, creates the illusions that bind us to this world, and she also provides the means of our liberation from these attachments, again, the contradictory nature of the god. The story begins when the devas or gods, led by the fire god Indra, were defeated by the asuras or demons and driven from the three worlds. Indra is always, like, he's the, the old school leader of the gods, and then he's ultimately replaced by Vishnu, Shiva, and Brahma. And Indra's always getting it in these stories. Like, he's leading the gods, and the stuff goes bad for him. Are the three worlds just, like, three planes? Like what? Yeah, what they you, are okay. this world, the higher world, okay. and the lower world. I'm just confirming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, interpreting the exact nature of what the higher and lower worlds are, though, Olivia, is, is a pretty complicated task. And... Uh, we don't need to worry about that. Yeah, okay. At this moment. It's like yeah. debatable what the higher world actually is, you know. Oh, that's kind of like Wicca, sort of. What the, yeah, so. Okay. Anyway. All we need to know for today is that in Hindu mythology, especially in the Puranas, Indra is often depicted as the lead figure among the gods dwelling in the three worlds in the past, before Vishnu took over. And Shiva. The writer records the past deeds of the gods uh, for a time in which Vishnu, Shiva, and to a lesser extent Brahma are the dominant gods. And so they appear in these stories as above or apart from, the Ind from Indra and the other gods. So in other words, the stories are written at a time when the three gods, the uh, trinity, are in charge and everybody worships them. But they're writing about a time before they were in charge, about the benighted past. Do you see what I mean? So in the Devi Mahatmayam, Brahma brings Indra and Sh to Shiva and Vishnu when the demons lay the devas low to appeal to them for help. So Indra, old god, he's having trouble. He can't beat the demons. So who, you, who are you going to call? Hindu Trinity. Uh, it's kind of the same ring, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little rough, Rob. <laughs> Hindu Trinity. Hindu, Hindu, Hindu. Hindu, Hindu, Trinity. Is this getting borderline offensive? I can't tell. <laughs> a little bit. I don't really but know. But I think we're just going to we let westernizing? Him, we're just going to let it keep happening. Bill Murray. What about him? So, is he part of the Trinity? Just Shiva, <laughs> Vishnu, and Bill Murray? Like, bra bra Brahma Murray. Brahma Murray. Brahma Murray. <laughs> we don't have to worry about Brahma so much because he created the universe and then he sort of got out of the way, so he won't come get us. But Vishnu or Shiva might. Like, Shiva definitely would come get us. That's why I included them. Okay, good. Uh, so, when Vishnu and Shiva heard about how the demons, led by the powerful Asura Mahishasura... What was that? Mahishasura. Mahishasura. <laughs> You're not like... as confident on that one. Yeah. It's like Worcestershire sauce. Mahishasura sauce. <laughs> Who, we don't have to worry about him either because he's going to get his butt handed to him. Who, legend told, no man could kill Mahishashura, Worcestershire, had rested 
the three worlds from Indra and the other Deva. So Mahishasura comes in, takes the three worlds. We keep revisiting this moment. But when Vishnu and Shiva find out about it, they become enraged, which you don't want. You don't want to see them angry. So in their anger, they exude a light, and the devas uh, begin to as well. So everyone starts exuding light in rage. And all the light joins together to form the goddess, Devi, riding a lion. Yeah, that worked out pretty well. And the demons see her, and they battle her. Of right course. Away. Yeah. Her sighs become her battalions, though. So she sighs forth battalions of soldiers. I wish I could do that, man. <laughs> <laughs> and they join her against the demons, and she defeats the demons, doing great violence to them, killing them, and maiming them. Woo! So the gods just exuded a female energy that did their, their dirty work. I know that's right. It was light metal. Yeah. I was about to say, <laughs> louder and prouder for women. I was mostly just saying, like, you know, she's lions and shit. No, I know, but, like, that's a badass lady. Yeah, that's what the metal was for. Yeah, I know. Mahisa Shura took many forms to try and defeat her, including an elephant, also a lion, arriving at last at the form of a buffalo. She trapped Mahishashura the buffalo under her mighty foot, and his true form emerged, coming out of the buffalo's mouth to do battle with her. Are, like, buffalo, like, important? Like, is that an important symbol to, like, an animal to them? Yeah, it's in the animal pantheon, and all animals have sacred components to them in the Hindu world. I was just wondering if it was buffalo for a reason that won out. I'm more focused on the fact that the true form came out of its mouth. That's so cool. No, yeah. I guess I just want to know why a buffalo. (laughs) Why that was it. Does that not seem badass enough? No, it it does. But also an elephant. And a lion. uh, Those are powerful. Why would he turn into a lion when she's riding a lion? Yeah, that's that huh. seems contradictory, doesn't yeah. it? If he had had you there, he would have thought better of that. He could have saved that not. whole incarnation. Uh, he he didn't get much of a chance to do battle with her when he came out of his buffalo form's mouth because she just chopped his head off. <laughs> oh, yeah. Th- this wasn't even like a big moment. She just it was like a couple of lines of the text, and then Kali uh, Bhagavati reached down and chopped his head off. Who cares? It was a buffalo then. <laughs> I still care. (laughs) Hardly matters. Uh, And the devas praised the goddess. You are the origin of all the worlds. Though possessed of the three gunas, you have none of their defects like passion. You are beyond the comprehension of even Vishnu, Shiva, and the other gods. You are the refugee of this entire world, which has been an infinitesimal portion of yourself. You are the supreme spirit and the primordial substance. Compassion of heart and relentlessness in battle are seen only in you, O Devi, bestower of boons to the three worlds. Pleased with the hymns of praise, she offered to grant them a boon. The Devas asked that she should return to protect them against the demons, should they return again, and to grant fortune to those humans wise enough to offer praise to her. The first part of the Devi Mahatmaya suggests the power of the feminine to counter and balance the masculine. Mahishasura, a buffalo demon, is a symbol of brute power and masculinity, impervious to male attack. So that comes back to you, Olivia, in your question. Only the female can temper control and defeat him. The confrontation between Devi and Mahishasura is the confrontation between untempered aggression and the balancing energy of the feminine. But this balancing of yin and yang 
is only the beginning of Devi's epic quest for, as the Devas seemed to suspect in asking for continued protection, the demons come again. The second part of the Devi Mahatmya begins when Indra and the Devas are ousted from the three worlds again. The gods go and sing songs of praise to Devi. The goddess Parvati, amiable consort of Shiva, was at the time bathing and heard the song, and immediately another aspect of the goddess, Ambika, emerged from her body. Oh shit, she was just trying to get a bath in and And they came and she praised her. A whole nother self? Yeah, she birthed a new her. That bath bomb was bomb then. <laughs> so euphoric she So euphoric. Had a whole Had a whole thing. Yeah. Parvati's bodily sheath. Gosh. (laughs) Her bodily sheath. That statement either is really metal or really gross sounding. I'm not sure. Yeah, because you got to imagine like a new her came out of her and left an old her behind. So like a snake. Or like shedding. Yeah, but the thing that you left behind becomes a god all its own. All right. Like a cicada. (laughs) Cicadas are gods. Or... Or a Kalika, the first direct reference to Kali in the Devi Mahatmya. So the sheath is Kali. She's the dark aspect of Parvati when Ambika leaves her body. The lord of the Asuras who had conquered the three worlds, a demon called Shumpa, so this is our next enemy, Shumpa, heard of Ambika's loveliness and sent a messenger to her. So we've got two gods, Parvati uh, so, sorry, we've got two gods from Parvati. One is Kalika and one is Ambika. Kalika, Kali, the dark aspect. Ambika is the light aspect. So our demon lord wants to get all up in that light aspect's business. Ambika, that's that's bath bomb, right? That's, yes. Okay, just checking. Ambika asked that he come and defeat her in battle if he would have her as a wife. Like you do. Right? Isn't that what Bree said, John, when you were courtner? Yep. Fight yeah, to the death. To de- de- defeat her in battle? Oh, you, to the death. That's yes. sort of... Well, I feel like you should just defeat me in battle. Then how are you both here? Yeah, you can't... You can't have a... You, you can't get to get... If you... Yeah. Two to uh, tango. You know that, Rob? I'm actually dead right now, apparently. Ooh, ooh. I'm oh, a that, ghost. that's assuming I won. All right. Mom's gonna be pissed. I doubt it, but it's fine. So one of you is dead. Which one? We see dead people, Olivia. We're both dead. Oh, no. It was a total fight to the death. Yes. So, uh, Shumpa sent his hordes of demons to capture her. That did not go so well, because Ambika's lion, who's still around, by the way, killed them and drank their blood. (laughs) Everybody be drinking blood. Right, because you got to, to stay young. Did I mention... That the goddess is continuing to ride her lion, because she is. Most Hindu gods have mounts. Like in World of Warcraft? I I don't don't know about these nerd things. What is this? You have a mount? Do you World of Warcraft now? Oh, finding <laughs> did we just catch out. Olivia? No, did I we just catch her in something? That's a very like 2010 thing to do, isn't it? World of Warcraft. We've trapped her. She's yeah. a nerd. Oh. Ryan plays, nerd. and I might have. Been trying out so classic a little bit, guys. So people do still World of Warcraft. That's still a thing. Yeah, they just re-released the classic version oh. for all those old school nerds. Yeah, oh, bitches be I'm killing me all the time. Nerd. Oh yeah, super old school though. Like like Super Mario like Brothers. World of Warcraft. <laughs> <laughs> Things existed, John. The ancient nerds. Things existed. <laughs> okay, so the point I'm trying to make here is that all of the Hindu gods had mounts. mounts. Yeah, which like is sick. how Shiva was Kali's mount. 
Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you agreed with it too, Rob. You were like, yeah, that was, yeah, that was delightful. I'm thinking about whether or not I'm, I'm still on board with that. Yes, my gut reaction was correct. <laughs> yes. Sort of. But, but really, she, Ambika wrote a line. Uh, and and uh, Shiva actually rides the bull Nandi, and Vishnu rides the eagle Garuda, who's like a Superman. He looks like Superman with an eagle head. Yeah. So like a griffin? He flies. No, he's got a man body. That's, he's got oh, man arms. I was picturing that's, like an actual eagle, and now I have a weirdly weird that's image kinda... of him riding some weird man this sort man of thing. man eagle. I feel eagle like man. some people would be turned on by that. Anyway. <laughs> right? Since That's a thing. To quit. No, it's not. I don't know if you can blaspheme Hindu gods, but we're really trying today. So since his first foray into love via a battalion of demons that got mangled by a lion did not go so well because of the mangling, Shumpa, our demon lord Gona Korten, decided it would be better to send his generals this time, Shanda and Munda, to collect Ambika for his bride. Ambika was annoyed by the first crew, but seeing Chanda and Munda really pissed her off. When she saw them, she turned black as ink, and from her forehead issued Kali again, clad in a tiger skin, symbolically tying her to Shiva, who also wears a tiger skin, and she was carrying her skull-topped staff. Yes. That's a plot twist if I've ever heard one. I love it. Snatching the elephants with one hand, she flung them into her mouth together with their rear men and drivers and their warrior riders and bells. Taking likewise into her mouth the cavalry with the horses and chariot with its driver, she ground them most frightfully with her teeth. She seized one by the hair and another by the neck. One she crushed by the weight of the foot and another of her body. And she caught with her mouth the weapons and the great arms shot by those ushers, and crunched them up with her teeth in her fury. She destroyed all that host of mighty and evil-natured ushers, devoured some and battered others. Chanda and Munda showered her with arrows, not love. They're like cherubs. <laughs> also discuses. Uh, but she crunched them up and swallowed them. Yeah, discuses were, were a weapon back in the day. They weren't just a thing kids... Like a death frisbee. Death, yeah, they were death frisbees. Hindus, uh, not Hindus, Indians loved to, to use the discus in battle, classically. Uh, but she ate them. Kali did. And then she cut off their heads. Of course. And brought them back to Ambika, the goddess whose forehead she had popped out of. Oh, hell yeah. So like a cat. This enraged our demon lord, Gonakorten Shumpa, yeah, like a cat. Yeah, she I dropped them on their doorstep. No, I didn't know what you meant at first, and then I realized what you meant. No, because cats like, bring you dead things. There you go. Here is yeah. this thing, my prize. So Shumba was pretty pissed about this, because he keeps sending all these people, and things keep getting mangled and eaten up and getting their discuses crunched and their heads chopped off. Yeah. So he sends a whole new battalion of demons now to fight Ambika and Kali and the lion. So we went from just two to now three. Kali's joined the team. To help them, the male gods sent out Shaktis, or female gods, from their bodies to assist the Devi fighters. So Shaktis are like this female aspect of the god, which is initially how this god started anyway, when all the male gods exuded their femaleness into goddess form. So they just, each of them, now, so they did that, formed the initial goddess, and now they're doing it again, sending out little female versions of themselves, lady gods of them. 
Got me? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. To, I know. It's a lot. Together, this army of female deities got the upper hand over the demon horde. That is, until the great Asura, Raktabija, emerged from their midst to challenge the mother goddesses. Raktabija was a particularly formidable foe. Seeing the Asuras harassed by the band of mother goddesses and fleeing, the great Asura Raktabija strode forward to fight in wrath. Whenever from his body there fell to the ground a drop of blood, at that moment rose up from the earth an Asura of his same stature. The great Asura fought with Indra Shakti with club in his hand. Then Ayindri also struck Raktabija with her thunderbolt. Blood flowed quickly and profusely from him who was wounded by the thunderbolt, and from the blood rose up fresh combatants of his form and valor. As many drops of blood fell from his body, so many warriors came into being with his same courage, strength, and valor. And those persons also sprung up from his blood, fought there with the mother goddesses in a more dreadful manner, hurling very formidable weapons. Ambika called on Kali, uh, and she drinks the blood of her enemies, crunches and swallows their epi- weapons to dispense with Raktabija. She struck him with her club and swallowed his blood before it could form new Raktabijas, and in this way defeated him and his army of clones. Yes! <laughs> Sorry. Right, Kali is the, the exact perfect match for a demon who bleeds himself. Have yeah, I already said how perfect. much I love her? Because I do. She's a queen. So much. She's just, like, unstoppable. I just imagine the look on his face when the first time he bled, he was like, ah, reinforcements. <laughs> and then she just starts eating it. And he said, <laughs> ate all oh, of them. This is a, this is a turn. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting this turn of events. At last, Shumba and his brother Nishumba came to confront Ambika. Along with Kali and her lion, she defeated Nishumba and drove away his army of demons. Ambika drew the other goddess forces into herself, the Shaktis of the male gods, as well as her companions, including Kali, revealing that they were always all along extensions of her, and she confronted Shumba alone. They fought in the sky and on the earth until Devi pierced his heart with an arrow, slaying him. Get slain. (laughs) You interrupted my metal sound. You didn't do it in time. Well, why don't we time this out? You say get slayed, and then you do the sound. Yeah, ready? Okay. Are you ready for this? You, can you count us off, Rob? Yeah, go ahead. One, two, go. Get slayed. That was worth the wait, don't you think, Olivia? It was very dramatic. Thank mm. you. Yeah. So the Davis praised her, and she promised to destroy all demons to come. My favorite one of these is a demon. Uh, the prediction was that it would appear as a collective bee form, consisting of innumerable bees. Oh, I thought you said beef form. Like, not his A form? His B form. His B form? Please fill out form B. It's just a horde of bees, guys. Or of beef in John's imagination. Yes. What if you had a bee allergy? I mean, Or a beef allergy. It's frightening, right? It's yeah. terrifying. Innumerable bees. Innumerable. I like bees, though. You can't count them. That's how many bees are there like, are. Are they like bumblebees? So they're just like bumping into everything? But they're one <laughs> demon. We need that because they're going cute extinct. if they're just bumblebees. They'd just be bumbling around, all cute. It's just a demon. All right. in, in praise of the goddess, the sage says, "Ah, she indeed takes the form of the great destroyer at the proper time. Ah, she, the unborn, 
indeed becomes this creation at the time proper for recreation. Ah, she herself, the eternal being, sustains all. The goddess Devi has a supreme power to annihilate demons and elevate the soul and the universe. Kali is an aspect of that power. Perhaps the most significant aspect outside of the purified Ambika. That's Kali. Kali appears as the dark counterpart to the light Ambika when she emerges from Parvati. She also appears as a manifestation of Ambika's anger. Her unique power is her ability to not only destroy but consume the demon. Unlike Ambika who slays and conquers, Kali swallows her enemies. Her most significant victories are against demons representing psychic forces and thought forms and in this way she seems to represent the dark pool of the unconscious as the counterpart to Ambika's powerful will pushing the soul of the universe toward higher and higher states of union and enlightenment through the destruction of the forces that assert an earthly egotism. So we can think of Kali as that dark pool aspect of us. We always talk about the dark pool, right? From episode to episode, this keeps coming up. Kali is our unconscious. She is that dark pool residing underneath. Our sexual impulses, our violent impulses, marshaled into this, you know, all-consuming entity that is our underlying self. And then Ambika is our will directing us and pulling the unconscious to accomplish higher goals, right? Better things, goals for each other, humanity, that sort of stuff. 20th century Hindu Swami Krishnananda argued that our God-oriented inward impulses exist in a state of conflict with our earth-oriented outward impulses. The Devi Mahatmayan is not merely a literary account of a bloody battle. It has an esoteric metaphorical significance as a cosmic and personal spiritual drama. It describes for us a technique for transcendence. Devi's battles can be interpreted as the higher self's battle with the ego's desire to separate itself from unifying with all creation. Kali defeats Raktabija, who is essentially the many-headed hydra of our thoughts. It's all those thoughts coming to get us. She's devouring them, pulling them into the unconscious. Kill one thought and another grows in its place, right? But with Kali, the defeat of Raktabija quiets the mind at last. Let's talk about the Tantra. Tantra! <laughs> Is that your way for it? it I'm, I'm like, good with it. I'll take it. I feel like we needed something. Yeah, I'll, that's good. Tantra! The last area we want to discuss today in relation to Kali is her relationship with tantric practice. Shiva is supposed to have taught the tantra to Parvati, but Kali, as an aspect of the goddess, is is a central motivating force of tantra and is the most popular figure in tantric practice and iconography. John's making a face. Sting. Sting. He just needs to say sting. And and now he's laughing uncontrollably. All right, come on. Come on, John. Tell us all about sting. Tantric. He is a tantric man. Yep. Why do? How do you? How do you know that, John? What do you know of Sting's tantra? It's too much. <laughs> <laughs> what? So tantra does encompass a technique for doing what again, John? That Sting is able to do? Uh, the sex. For how long, John? Forever. For like days and days, right? Yeah. So that is theoretically part of tantric practice. It's not the whole philosophy, of course. That's but all Sting needs. It's all Sting needs. Good old Sting. Of the police fame. We don't everyone know who we're talking about? No one needs to have sex for that many days. Sting does. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Glad we got that out, John, right away, because everyone at home is thinking just exactly what you said. Thank you. Sting having sex for days. Yep. That's all we need. Uh so uh, what the heck where was I though? So the goddess praised as being greater than Shiva, Brahma, and Vishnu is considered uh, primordial or pure Brahman. 
that's the goddess in in tantric practice so even though uh, shiva teaches the tantra to the goddesses uh that they are also in in some sense more powerful in in the way the iconography functions in tantra all right so tantrism is very ritualistic and it works to facilitate the sadhaka or practitioner's ability to attain moksha or freedom from the cycle of rebirth that's what we're trying to do all along here is not come back the sadhaka learns to master the body to help bring about an experience of complete unity so there's two kinds well there's different kinds of tantrism we're interested in left-handed tantrism or sakta mystical practice the sadhaka the person who's attempting the left-handed path achieves uh, moksha by breaking down the boundaries between the clean and the unclean through food wine hallucinogens and sex some of our favorite things forbidden things are affirmed as valuable destroying their power to pollute and bringing about a unity so we create a disharmony a disunity in the universe when we say this is impure and this is pure so the tantric uh, sadhaka says i shall engage with the impure to break down the boundary that creates these good evil categories and thereby achieve unity this way you got me mm-hmm. in bengal the tantric agoris who worship kali eat the sins of their fellow hindus they eat forbidden food and engage in forbidden intercourse and offer uh, feces and urine to kali Oh, does she, does she want that? And they think so. Is, is that really oh, something? Okay. As long as she doesn't kill them, I mean, a lady wants. I mean, as long as they think she wants that. All I right. Mean, I mean, like the Crowley ladies. Uh, to bring it on home to y'all. I don't think we want that personally. I don't. No. FYI, gentlemen. No. Listening at home. <laughs> Kali is the answer to the Hindu obsession with purity as the embodiment of all things impure. She's a kind of release valve for Hindu culture and devotion, anti-structure to Hindu structure. Kali, as the metaphysical vessel for death and destruction and unclean things, must be confronted and assimilated for the Sadaka to advance. He meditates on Kali at the cremation ground until he assimilates her. In this way, she develops a beneficent aspect, offering boons and also comfort. She's not only death but also triumph over death. And her mythological complexity is realized through tantric worship. You got me? But this heroic confrontation is not the only way to engage with Kali. In contrast to the tantric Sadhaka, who approaches Kali fearlessly, the devotee to Kali approaches her as a helpless child. Remember the Shiva appearing as the infant and suckling at her teat. But she is not especially motherly, our Kali. She beats her child. But her child has no choice but to turn to her for protection and warmth. In contrast to the Hindu mother goddesses with full breasts and wide hips, Kali is thin, and the attention goes to her hungry mouth and bloody weapon. The mother goddess gives life. Kali takes it. By approaching Kali as mother, the devotee embraces the dark truths she represents, liberating the devotee from fear of them as opposed to those who simply deny them. This is, you know, the the Western concept of the denial of death. In this tantric practice, you embrace all the dark, all the discomfort, all the fear and violence, and in that, you overcome it. So, if we aren't planning to post up at a shrine in Tukali in Bengal, or take up her tantric path, but, like Olivia and Bree, we still think Kali is super cool, what can we do with her? Scorpio? 
Hindu deities are, for me, delightfully complicated, and studying that complexity can be an enlightening tool for mining our own inner world. The Hindu gods are complicated and contradictory because we are complicated and contradictory, and the path to enlightenment does not follow any sort of strict logic. Kali is particularly inspiring for the occult scholar because she helps to push us through the logical contradiction between apocalypse and salvation, life and death, horror and bliss. William Jones, uh, writing circa 1790, was among the first to argue for a common root for pagan and Asiatic religions. Jones believed that Kali equated to the Greek Hecate and the Egyptian Isis, The vast differences between Hindu, Greek, pagan, and ancient Egyptian cosmology are too numerous to simply accept this correlation at face value, but it shows a cross-cultural project to work through the feminine, the goddess, to try and reach a mystical solution within ourselves. Meditation on Kali is a means to further that mystical and metaphysical transformation of self. So I was reminded of a couple things from Greek mythology. So when you said Kali sprung forth of the forehead, I was reminded of Athena coming out of Zeus's head. Oh, there you go. Yeah, because I know he had a headache, and then once... Sorry, what was his name? The the smith god. It starts with an H. Hephaestus. Hephaestus. Yeah, Yeah, Hephaestus hit his head, and then Athena sprung out. Right. And Athena's more... uh, Actually... She, like, hammered her way through his skull, right? Through Zeus's skull? No, no. It was his skull, but... Hephaestus broke Zeus's head open and Athena came out of oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Athena's actually the, like, more calm version of Ares. Right, she is She is warlike, right? She's yeah, they're, depicted they both with share the, shield and... the war. Yeah. yeah, but she's more of the thought behind war and Ares is more of the rage. Yeah, so she's got some Kali to her. Sort of, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Any other associations? I mean, my initial one is a Norse minor goddess type. Um, her name is Ron, and she's the goddess, not necessarily of the ocean, but of, like, the hectic parts of it. So a lot of it has to do with um, her being, like, she collects the drowned and, like, mm-hmm. anything to do with sort of shipwrecks and, like, the destruction aspect of the ocean is what she's about. I guess, like, yeah, and, like, Hecate is, she's kind of, the crossroads but she can go where she pleases yeah she's the only person like zeus loved hecate so much that he was like you can have free reign between any all realms like so she can just walk into hell that's why she kind of talks to persephone but ron's very similar because she can just she has to take the drowners places so she just takes them wherever they're designated to go i also was reminded of in like the the male gods like creating the females from the what would you call it it's over the Oh, the Shakti. Yeah. That reminds me a little bit of like Adam and Eve. I mean, that's not so different. Yeah, it's right in the in Christian tradition. Eve coming from Adam. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's worth doing a little cross cultural comparison. It, we have to bear in mind, right, that all cultures are unique and that they have their unique aspects to them. But I don't think it's insane. I mean, we have, I think Bree's articulated this pretty well. We, we sort of pursue an ideology on the podcast that there are many paths, right, to the same God. Yeah. Uh, and, and Kali gives us one of those paths, and it's refracted through different cultures, which shows us the power of this symbol. But 
you know, in a Hindu context, Kali takes very unique form. And then in a Greek context, she takes a different form. And, and we can sort of see the stamp of the style of goddess in these different, like the ocean is less of a thing for Hindus than it is for Norse people. When we dig deep, we can find among our angels and demons, somebody a little like Kali. Let's open up the Order of Confessors, shall we? Open them. You, oh. you don't have to do anything. I know, just... but I feel like it feels empty. We want to start by announcing that we're in the process of collecting your occult confessions for a special episode. Your occult confessions. So Olivia's got this going on the uh, social medias, and uh, we've yes. been collecting some different stories from some of our listeners. We got a Swedish story the other day, which yeah, is super cool. Uh, and there's a couple coming coming in, so something to look forward to. I just forwarded one to you, Olivia, by the way. Oh. Did you email it or? I forwarded it through what email. Even... Okay, thank yeah, that's you. That's how we email. It's an email thing. You could forward it. listeners don't things. need to be bothered by this. Okay. We're hoping to do a listener-driven episode is the plan on a regular basis starting next year, and we want to get it going. So suggestions from listeners, uh, ideas or topics they'd like to know a little bit more about, and your own occult experiences. We want to start featuring them. Uh, so I've been sitting on a bunch of material, also requests, and we've got a book on sigils to review that our new friend Emily, the publisher, sent us. Uh, our friend Darren sent us a bunch of good information on British werewolves, and Gary Wee has got us poking around for the origins of video game ghosts. Uh, Gary actually let us know that both James and I were right on our Chinese medicine episode. I oh. thought the pose in Zelda games are named after Edgar Allan. James guessed that it was from the Chinese term for an element of the soul, and as it turns out, could be either or both. Oh, that's wow, that's what Gary really told cool. us. Yeah. So I've set the alchemical actors the challenge of tracing the history of video game ghosts, and at least two of them have taken up the challenge. It's a process. Nobody wants to talk about Pac-Man, but we'll we'll Aww. work that out. Uh, let's let's do some words of thanks here to our reviewers. We've got Robin Rosehips. Oh. She says, "Good job, well done, very nice, A plus." <gasps> A plus. A plus. Uh, Robin's been looking for an occult podcast and has at long last found us. <gasps> Welcome home. And we're glad you found us, Robin. Welcome. And we've got a bunch of anonymous reviews, too. And thank you. They're all five stars, so super oh. cool. We can't thank you individually because you're super anonymous. But I appreciate that. I do a lot of anonymous five-starring in the world of podcasts. Also, no, I actually don't leave one-star reviews, but I feel like I want to sometimes. Oh, tea. <laughs> but I'm a white lighter, Olivia, so I would not do – I don't want to put that in the universe. A white lighter? I've said this many times on this podcast in contrast to the Satanist perspective. Oh, okay. We just did that. We're doing the rock and roll thing and you say white lighter and I literally thought like a white lighter. Like a lighter to light cigarettes? Yeah. I'm not. I don't. <laughs> James Dodge is listening on Spotify and he sent us an email rating because he's on Spotify. So you can't rate it. So he emailed email us rate? five stars. Love it. Uh, also, he's an atheist, which I thought was super cool because... We don't have a lot of those. We anymore. don't have a lot of those on the podcast. We proved that the soul exists for a while, which maybe atheists are cool with as long as there's not a god. Yeah. Well, thanks, James. We're, we're delighted to have you, James. Welcome. Either way. Leanne has been taking us along with her for her Inktober adventures. She's Inktobering things. Oh, wow. Well, that's really cool. And she listens to us while she inks. Why she inks? While she inks. Why she inks is up to her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, also, longtime listener Ayla Stout let us know she's getting all my references in our Apocalypse series. So in the last episode, she's getting the Rob references because I guess she's 30. Uh, and oh, uh, nice. it's been a couple of, Right. So I've got the 30s listeners. You've got the 20s listeners. Ayla, I was actually a couple of years ahead of you. I want to let you know on Y2K. So uh, also, we and I are not that old, Ayla. We're not that old. 
So don't let those kids tell you otherwise. Let's close it up, Olivia. She's closed. You don't want an opening for it, but you want to close it? I want to close the episode, man. (laughs) I hereby adjourn and declare closed this meeting of the secret order of alchemical actors till such a time as we get together and do it again. This is always a test of my memory to see if I can remember exactly who did voices (laughs) for us. James Kaplanchis definitely did some heavy lifting for us today as our sage talking about the Devi Mahatmayan and I think with a really interesting character he came up with there. So thank you, James. We also had Faith Barry, Dan Rosendale, Ian Sheridan and Nathan Bobitka all doing some voices of thieves and people, you know, being punished by Kali and stuff. So, and Kali. So super cool. Thank you guys. Beautiful work. Uh, joining me around the circle, we've got Olivia Litterall, our grand master. Check out the merch and send me your confessions. We've got Brie Litterall, her sister, also our metallurgic prophet. Bye, guys. And Johnny Cook, our sylph of the many patrons. Goodbye. Me, my name is Rob C. Thompson. Join us next time when we explore the wild world of rapture and revelation. Yes, yes, friends. I know we did a lot of Christian stuff last time, but we've got to do at least one episode on the Christian apocalypse. But it's so fun. I want to give it a little... Because I love that subject. Just in advance. So you're going to give St. John the Revelator a little metallurgic... Yeah, I'm not going to be there, so I want to just... Yeah. All right. So (laughs) we'll see. We'll see you next time. We'll hear you. You'll hear us. We'll speak to you. In your ears. Called Confessions. Bye.